Hey, good morning. How are we all? Good, good, good. What wasn't it fantastic to have our friends from the Rocks come and lead us this morning? Hey, absolutely brilliant. So uh, they're they're really a a church that believes in Elevate, and they've been investing consistently into us whenever we uh, ask them to reach out. And uh, this morning they wanted to come and bring a team, and uh, you even had some groupies turn up as well. A couple of these little guys. So uh, really, really great, uh, great job. So we invite them, uh, you know, this morning to lead worship. Um, what actually is happening, don't tell them this, but like the bigger picture is um, it's a part of our kind of slow drip takeover approach that, uh, <laughs> that uh, elevates, uh, you know, we believe, we say this often, we believe that there's only one church in this city. And uh, we, we want to make that not just a theological uh, reality, but we're actually going to make that a physical reality. So uh, this is the next step. We were, these chairs that you're sitting on, they actually belong to the rocks. So uh, I said, just a slow drip method. You know, they don't even know what's happening. Um, I thought... They came in with a sticker saying, The Rocks. Well, we now Elevate Rocks. Uh, <clears throat> in uh, Elevate Blue, of course. I am Elevate. I am Elevate. So anyway, so just the slow drip method. I don't know what the next step will be, but uh, <clears throat> we'll come up with something. You think you're prepared for it, Michael Remende, but it's going to be more of a ninja move that you won't see it coming until it's too late. All right. Hey, uh, so it's middle of January, and um, a lot of people made New Year's resolutions, wanting to start this year well, and uh, we love all of that sort of stuff. Um, we love the idea that people want to want to progress and want to... Uh, see God's best for them. Uh, one of the things that, that God actually promises, something that Paul wrote, one of the, the early church heavyweights wrote to a church, and he said to them that, 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 that God actually wants us to be transformed into the image and likeness of his son Jesus, that there's actually a process that's going on, and, uh, and we know about that, and, and we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that process. And yet I'm aware that, that some people, and I referred to it earlier when I jumped up, that some people, uh, despite the best efforts and best intentions, feel like they're, they're just doing laps around the same issue, maybe occasionally experiencing a, a hint of victory, but then go back into this, this kind of endless loop of, uh, of the same issues and not actually experiencing this breakthrough and this transformation. And so what we decided we were going to do is start 2014, not talking about change, but actually talking about changing the way we change. Because some of you guys have tried the same approach to change in 2013, in 2012, in 2011. And that's not a beat up, but it's to say for some of us, the thing that's going to help us move towards a breakthrough is actually to change the way we change. And so at the beginning of this year, two Sundays ago, we talked about some facts, or we're talking about some facts uh, throughout five weeks about change. And fact number one is that change isn't a project, it's a process. 
And we need to actually be in that process. Last week, we talked about the beginning of change. It's not achieving, it's receiving. And uh, those uh, messages, if you're new here for the first time today, or if you miss one of those, you can catch them up on our podcasts. And I'm hearing that some of you have already done that, which is fantastic. And it's one of the reasons we put those podcasts out there. But I'm also really encouraged. I put the challenge down on uh, Sunday number one, January 5, to be here for all five Sundays, that this is going to make sense in the light of an entire conversation. And, uh, and, uh, I'm hearing stories from some of you that you've actually reoriented your schedule. You've actually deleted some stuff that you've considered less important in this month to make sure you're here for all five Sundays. And that is brilliant. And the analogy that I often use, uh, you, some of you aware of uh, the soccer player, uh, Wayne Rooney, plays for Manchester United, one of the most prolific goal scorers in, uh, in, in, in Manchester United and, and England's history. One of the reasons that Wayne Rooney has scored so many goals in soccer is not because he brings the ball down the field. In fact, he almost never brings the ball down the field. The ball's brought down the field by the wingers and by the, 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 the mid-backs. The reason that Wayne Rooney scored so many goals is he knows how to put himself in position to receive the ball from somebody else. And my encouragement, when you're here for five weeks trying to be a part of the process and be engaged in the conversation is you're putting yourself in the position. We can't manufacture breakthrough. That's God's job. But we can put ourselves in position to receive the ball. So well done for those of you that are doing that. And we've dropped anchor on uh, a little kind of sentence that, that Paul, same guy I mentioned a moment ago, one of the heavyweights of the early church, something that he wrote. We've, we're going to drop anchor there for all five weeks. It's, it's kind of like a sentence it's just, it's just a sentence, but there is so much truth and so much uh, that we can take away from that. He wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Now, what you'll under- understand, and some of you that have been here for the first two weeks, you'll understand there's, there's, there's like a continuum here. Paul starts out by saying, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, he's referencing that there's a moment in time where we make a decision to follow Jesus. We sung about that in the last song we sung this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. When we make that decision, we receive Christ Jesus as Lord. And that, and this is what we spoke about last week, that is the starting point. For transformation. That is the starting point for the journey of continued transformation. We received Christ Jesus as Lord. It's past tense. But there's a comma there, not a full stop. Paul goes on to say, now continue to live your lives in him. It's a present continuous tense. It's an ongoing thing. There's something required of us that we need to continue to live not just with this gift that we received one time, but now in process. And we talked about that first week. All of us, hopefully, are in process. But there's not a full stop there either. There's another comma. And and here's one of the mistakes that some people make. Some people think that once you become a Christian or become a Jesus follower, that that, that the goal from then on is just maintenance. Just stay in a holding pattern. Don't, 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 Don't step back. And yet... Paul goes on to say, there's something even more than a holding pattern. There's something even better than maintenance. There's the ability to be built up. 
as a result of us staying connected with Jesus. There's actually a progression. There's a, it's not just maintenance. It's progress. It's not just doing laps. It's this opportunity to actually experience growth. But there is something required of us in this idea of being rooted and built up in him. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, some of you uh, have only known me in recent times, and you wouldn't know that there was a time a number of years ago when I was large and in charge, tipping the scales at 97 kilos, and uh, my best friends were red wine and the couch. And I enjoyed both of them in copious amounts. And uh, one particular Saturday afternoon, uh, we gathered some friends over at Louis' house, Louis' Italian migrants. Everyone's got a wood-fired oven in their backyard. Uh, her, her parents, you can see theirs with Google Earth, and you don't even have to zoom in. This thing is massive. Uh, and uh, so we can invite people, and the, and the pizzas just keep on coming. And in those days, I pretty much just stood at the mouth of the wood-fired oven with my mouth mirroring the size and shape of it. So when they come in, you know, Louis' old man would get the paddle out. It was just about, just, just drop it in there, Carl. I'm ready. And I would eat, and just, it was crazy. Anyway. One of our friends was there, and I said to him, hey, name's Steve. Hey, Steve, you know, have you had a good day? This was sort of late in the afternoon. Have you had a good day? Yeah, you had a good day. So what did you do today? He says, oh, I rode 90, kilo, um, 90 kilometers, and I'm like, all right, on your motorbike. He's like, no, on my push bike. And I'm like, 90 kilometers in one day? And he goes, no, in one go. Just I got on my bike, I rode 90 kilometers, and I stopped, and I was like, people can do that? Like, I mean, you know, Tour de France ride, but I'm talking about like, you know, mere mortals can do it. It was, it was, it was incredible to me, but actually it was something of an intersection to me. This guy was a little bit older than me and uh, he didn't possess any special superpowers. Um, he just got himself to that place where he was able to get up on a Saturday morning, get on his push bike and ride for 90 kilometers. Well, fast forward six months and uh, I actually signed up for a triathlon six months after that uh, day uh, with Steve, um, I ate a lot more pizza than him too that day. Um, I ate a lot more pizza than everyone that day, actually. In fact, I think I ate more pizza than everyone combined that day. But uh, anyway, um, this is not a public confessional, Mark. All right, use your words. Okay. Um, and I decided, well, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's turnaround time for me. So I entered a triathlon that was... That was in six months' time, and a swim, cycle, run. The cycle portion of that race was a 90-kilometer bike ride. And uh, when it got to that six months' time, and, and I did that race, I actually finished that, that, that cycle, that 90-kilometer cycle part of the race, I finished it incredibly comfortably. It was so easy to me. Just six months after, it was so easy to me. Anyone care to guess what I did between... Talking with Steve and doing that race. One word starts with a T. Any guesses? I did some training. In fact, I did a lot of training. In fact, I did consistent training. And I changed. I changed physically. I changed in so many ways in just six months because of fact number three. It's not trying. It's training. I could have had that conversation with Steve entered that race six months later and said, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to ride that 90 kilometers in six months time, but not do any training. 
it, it, it would have been, it, no, okay? No. <laughs> I would not have made it far past the start line unless taken in an ambulance, which is probably what would have happened. It's not trying, it's training. And often we set goals, goals for change, goals, these resolutions. And yet between setting the goal and the actual kind of expiration date on that, this, this horizon that we've given ourselves to, to, to launch towards, we often miss the opportunity and the requirement of doing the training. And, and these, are, these, these are laws, these are principles that God established. Things that are true for the body are also true for the spirit, are also true for the soul, are also true for the mind. So if we want to change any area of our lives, one of the facts we have to understand and apply is that it's not trying, it's training. And I've just got to say it, and I've and, 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 and just got to say it, I've got to say it. Training requires the D word. Yep, I said it. The D word. Anyone want to guess what the D word is? Discipline. Yuck. See, that is not a word we all like, but it's important. Discipline. Training Effective training requires discipline. Now, I want to recommend a book to you to start off this year. And it's kind of like, I won't say if you only read one book this year, make it this one. But I would certainly insert it into your top ten. Okay, it's this book here. A guy named Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. Now, I have it here. I just... uh, There's two things you need to notice about this book. The first one is it's not an international bestseller. It's the international bestseller. And so what I suggest to you is if you ever want to write a book, find Richard Foster's publicist and have them write the word because that's pretty cool. The international bestseller. Whoa, awesome. The other thing I want you to notice about this is some of you would have never considered putting the words celebration and discipline in the same sentence. The chore of discipline. The grind of discipline. The celebration of discipline. Is this guy smoking something? He talks about disciplines. He talks about things that followers of Jesus need to be doing consistently, need to be applying themselves to consistently in order to see transformation take place. I'll rattle off some of them. I'm not going to actually drill down into any of them except one. But I just want to give you his laundry list. And he actually divides them up into inward disciplines. His inward disciplines, he talks about meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. He then has four outward disciplines, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. He also has corporate disciplines that he talks about. Confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. Those are the disciplines. Now, I rattled them through quickly. If you didn't get a chance to write them down, listen to the podcast, but better still, buy the book and, and get in. And you can just take one of those chapters at a time, almost like, how many is there? Three, four, three, fours, uh, 12. 12. Ooh, you might want to even just take one a month. It's a sign. And, uh, but 
But this is what I really love about it. And we're talking about Breakthrough 2014. Richard Foster, he qualifies in the, in the intro of his book. Every discipline has its corresponding freedom. See, I would have put that on the cover of the book. Like, that's attractive. Freedom. Every discipline has its corresponding freedom. The purpose of the disciplines is freedom. Our aim is freedom, not the discipline. Freedom is the end. The disciplines are merely the means. I want to talk about just one of the disciplines today. I want to talk about study. In fact, more explicitly, I want to talk about reading the Bible. Now, I know some of you have just had the thought... Yeah, okay, Mark. We know we're meant to read the Bible more. We're meant to read the Bible regularly. I told you we shouldn't have come this morning. Shut up. Listen. But here's what I hope to do, just in the next maybe 10 minutes. Many of us live with a knowing-doing gap. We're educated beyond our level of obedience. We know we're meant to read the Bible more, but often we don't. And I'm guilty of it. I'm not a 365-day-a-year strike rate on reading my Bible either. Okay, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I am. There's a knowing-doing gap. Sometimes we need to actually not move on to the next thing. We need to go back to the basics and be reminded of this foundational stuff. And reading the Bible, God's Word, is exactly that. To be eternally motivated. And here's a big... If you, if you want to write... I mean, I, w- I want you to write this down. Here's a big... Big revelation, okay? Check that out, Sam. All of the disciplines, including studying your Bible, it doesn't make God love you more. In fact, the day you received Christ Jesus as Lord, from that day forward, God could not ever love you more. We can't earn his love more. He loves us unconditionally. So if I read my Bible more, God's going to love me more. No, no, no. You read your Bible more, it helps you love God more. I shared this with the team members, our team members this morning. You know there's certain people, the more you get to know them, the more you dislike them. You find out stuff about them, it's like, yeah, that's, no, it's not good. But there's another group of people that the more you get to know them, the more you like them. Well, God's on top of that list, okay? He's on top of that list. The more you get to know him, the more you love him. Studying God's word is one of the expressions of how we get rooted in him in order to get built up in him. Now, I love growing as much of my own fresh produce as I can. Um, Angela Strang is here this morning. Uh, she, she does a better job than me, and, and I'm not going to get into an arm wrestle with her because she's going to win. She posts photos of her garden produce on Facebook just makes me weep with envy. But um, I didn't have any land. That's actually my problem. Louis and I, we bought a house that was, that was the house built. You know, we didn't have a backyard. Our house is built on what was somebody else's backyard. We are the backyard. And so, so there's no land. It's just a house and, and fence. Um, but but I, miss, I missed it. I missed growing my own produce. And so when we first Got there, I, I went and gathered these um, white Storo boxes. Some of you know about these. They, they store the broccoli and all that at the market garden. So I was going down to the Manning markets Saturday morning and, and taking the old um, empty 
styrofoam boxes with permission uh, for some of them. And, um, and, uh, and I started to try and grow tomatoes in there. Now, they, they're about 30 centimeters high. The walls of them about 30 centimeters high. I started trying to grow tomatoes and epic fail because tomatoes need at least 40 centimeters of soil because of the root structure or they, or they just don't grow. So next year, I'm a, I'm a quick study. Next year, I moved from styro boxes that didn't work. I put in some pots. Now, this isn't my uh, pots, but I used um, pots very similar to them and a similar depth, and, and I got similar results. The, 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 the further the roots could go down, the, the, the better the tomatoes performed. And I, and I got that in, in my pots. The pots just sit on top of our little brick paving kind of driveway area. And, um, but a few years ago, uh, in a previous house we owned, I, we had plenty of land. We had about 600 square meters and plenty of land. And I used to be able to put stuff into the soil, put my tomatoes into the soil. And by virtue of the single fact, same tomato species, but different soil depth, the, the roots were able to go deeper. And because the roots could go deeper, the plant could actually grow higher. And I'm happy to say I, I did take a photo of, of one of my plants in those times. And this is some of the results I got back then. I still have the pet giraffe too, by the way. His name's Jerry. No, that's now starting to, things are starting to get ridiculous, actually. All right. But this is a simple truth. The capacity to be built up directly correlates to the depth of your roots. It's, it's a fact. It's something that God established. The, the, the capacity, your capacity, our capacity to be built up actually directly correlates to the depth of our roots. So if you want to be built up, your focus isn't on being built up. Our focus needs to be on sinking our roots deeper. And reading God's word, studying God's word regularly helps us sink our roots deeper. A couple of examples. One of the things that reading God's word regularly will do for us is it helps us know God's promises. Just imagine you have a distant relative overseas, England, wherever, distant relative, and uh, they pop their clogs and... Uh, They've included you in their will, but you don't know this, okay? But they've included you in, in their will, and they were very, very wealthy. And they've, and they've given you a $1 million inheritance. How many of you would like that to happen? Not for them to die. I mean, you know, it's all terribly sad, but the million dollars. But how many, you know, a million bucks would, would, would change the landscape of your world in, in a pretty quick, short space of time, right? Okay, Mortgage paid off, debts paid off, go on a holiday, give money, all the things. And we all have the, you know, what would you do if you win lotto? We've all got the list and we all say, you know, all, you know, but anyway, but that's, I guess, a million bucks. Relative, you can, here's the story. Relative dies, in their will, leaves you a million bucks. Their lawyer sends you, tracks you down, sends you a letter, sends you a letter with this promise of a million bucks. And in the letter, the lawyer simply says, all you need to do to get the million bucks is to send us your bank account details. Would you send them your bank account details? No, it's not the Zimbabwean scam thing. No, this is like legit. No, this is like a real living, well, previously living relative. Okay, yeah, right. Apologies to all the Zimbabweans over here. I know you guys don't scam, all right? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Except Peter. I reckon he's one of them. <laughs> all 
I never, never did trust him. So their lawyer legitimately sends you a legitimate letter saying, all you need to do is, is, is notify us of your bank account details and we will transfer into your bank account $1 million, all right? Let's just... <clears throat> Wouldn't it be an absolute travesty if for whatever reason, I'm not even going to bother speculating, but if for whatever reason you never got around to reading that letter? Right? Because the promise is in the letter. And in, 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 in its envelope, without opening it and reading it, we will never access that promise. We won't even know about the promise, right? Not reading God's word. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on any of you. It's just simple. It's just simple. Follow the bouncing ball. God's word is full of his promises. Full of them. And all we need to do is read them first to, to know them and then open ourselves up to receiving them, putting ourselves like Wayne Rooney in position to receive his promises. But we're never going to put ourselves in position to receive his promises if we don't first read the promises. You follow? And it would just be, I mean, I literally do think about this sort of stuff because this is actually serious business, right? That we get to meet Jesus face to face one day, when we pop our, our, our clogs, and he says, man, I had, and, and, and he just kind of walks us through the list, not to make us feel small and, and, and inadequate, but he just, it breaks his heart. I died so you can have all these promises, and you didn't even find out about them, let alone access them. And it, it breaks his heart. And then, and then another reason, and this is, I'm just giving two today, that we should really be motivated to read God's word, to study his word regularly, is to prepare for battle. Have you, ever, have you ever confronted a seemingly insurmountable obstacle at some point in your life? Anyone apart from me? <clears throat> what I'm going to say, this doesn't apply to everyone and it doesn't apply to every situation, but this applies to some of you. What I'm about to say is, is going to sound quite jarring, okay? And, and it's going to make me sound... A little bit tough, and, and it's absolutely not my motivation whatsoever. But what I'm about to say, I'm going to say to you, because I really want to get your attention, in the hope that, that, that you will go from here with, with a new level of motivation to not just try, but to train. And, and one of the aspects of training to read God's word regularly, some of you, the reason the obstacle appeared insurmountable to you at the time is that you weren't prepared for it. You hadn't done the training. And had you done the training, the obstacle wouldn't have seemed insurmountable. It may have still come, but it would have appeared to you as a speed hump, not a brick wall, right? Like I said, these are laws and rules of the universe that God created and set in motion, and they are eternal. For some of you, when I said, hey, a 90K bike ride in one go, that would seem insurmountable, like it did to me when Steve first said it to me. I'm like, I didn't even realize that was possible. But if you do the training, it doesn't seem insurmountable. 
It may still be a little bit challenging, but it would look like a speed hump and not a brick wall. The battlefield is not the time to do the training. If you go on the battlefield or if you find yourself on the battlefield and you haven't done the training, sorry, it's too late. Jim, am I right? Ex-military guy, he will tell you that the most important... They can't prepare for every situation, nor can we every situation, but you can do basic training, consistent training, and then when you're sent out on the battlefield, yes, there'll still be challenges. Yes, there'll still be things that... but, but, But you've got a level of preparation and training so that you're better equipped when that obstacle comes your way. Understand? Train as you would fight. He's a special ops guy. I just nod, Jim, whatever you say. Yes, 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 yes. See, he, I, I, the ninja thing, he kills ninjas with a stare. Whatever you say, Jim. Yep, sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I say, I, I say this, this week the coffee is Cuban Serrano and Jim says, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> in fact, it's not even coffee. Yep. Sure. Great. Yep. Correct. Whatever. Um, it's a seven summer of tennis right now. Some of you would have noticed that. And, uh, they, they've got a thing they've been doing the last few years with Jacobs Creek, one of the major sponsors where they've been, um, uh, showing some snippets of some interviews with Andre Agassi and they call it open up. It's, and I, I find it quite, uh, interesting. He's a very interesting, uh, individual. Um, and we were watching, Lou and I were watching one just earlier in the week, one of the new ones they've rolled out for this 2013. And I thought, and I, and I heard what he said, and I'm like, yeah, bingo. Let me show you a little bit of that right now. My trainer, Gil Reyes, had this mountain in his backyard behind his house, a six to 800 meter high mountain. And he used to tell me, you're going to get out of this mountain what you put into it. If you don't put a lot in, you won't get a lot out. But if you do, the mountain will be magic. We even called it Magic Mountain. So we would do sprints up this mountain. We, we do side-to-side shuffles. We do back pedals up this hill to the point where my legs were screaming. But the results were unbelievable. I mean, I trained harder than it was ever asked of me in a tennis match. And Gil would say to me, Andre, I can't promise you that you're never going to get tired. You are going to get tired. But here's what I can promise you, that when you are tired, all you have to do is look across the net, look at your opponent. He'll be more tired than you. enough for me. It's all about the training. Have you ever heard anybody say, or maybe you've said this yourself, the truth will set you free? Anyone, anyone ever heard that, that quote, the truth will set you free? It's actually not true. The truth will set you free. It's actually not true. It's actually a misquote of something that Jesus said. A misquote. The truth will set you free. The truth will not set you free. For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, mankind believed that the earth was flat. 
And based on that belief alone, people, when they eventually got around, you know, would never travel too far from home base because they were scared they were going to fall off the edge of the earth, right? The truth we know is that the earth is round, but they didn't know that, right? So the truth was still the truth. The truth existed, but they didn't know that. Until one day, an intrepid Genovese explorer named Cristoforo Colombo, Christopher Columbus, Chris, Chris, Christovan Columbus, maybe, huh? His Indonesian cousin. Um, Christopher Columbus, he sailed over the horizon and, and his, uh, his friends thought he'd fallen off the edge. <laughs> Until one day, he came back. A return trip. And he didn't fall off the edge. And they discovered that the earth wasn't actually flat. It was round. You see, Jesus said, Jesus didn't say the truth will set you free. He said, you need to know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. Truth is truth whether we know it or not, right? But it's only power when we know it. It's only useful when we know it. We can only apply it when we know it. It can be sitting there in an envelope from a lawyer in the UK and us not know the contents. Well, the truth is we've been given a million dollars. But unless we know the truth, it won't set us free. God's word is jam-packed with truth. But it won't set us free unless we know the truth. Because it's only in knowing it that we can apply it and experience the freedom that Jesus promised. And I love... (laughs) It actually blows my mind that God took the time to inspire person after person after person to write these truths down so that you and I, even in 2014, can access this stuff on the low shelf. In fact, it's easier than ever. You don't even have to buy a Bible these days. I mean, the Bible is still the number one best-selling book in the world. Okay? In fact, when you read the, the, the New York Times bestsellers list, they don't even bother to put the Bible. The Bible's always number one. So if someone says it's number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, it's actually not their, you know, their book. No, it's not. It's number two behind the Bible. But it's like, boring, we know the Bible. Yeah, number one, number one. So they just kind of leave that off the list. But I'm even happy to let you know that you don't even have to buy a Bible these days. You can be an absolute cheapskate and still access the truths of God's word courtesy of a thing called the interwebs. It's out there. The truth is out there. And all you need is access to a computer. You don't even need to own a computer. You just need to join a library or get a friend. You know, real friends let their friends use their Wi-Fi. It's fantastic. I mean, you know you've got a deep friendship developing when you walk in and your smartphone automatically connects to their Wi-Fi. Like you've, you've crossed over. Come on. Yeah. Refrigerator rights and Wi-Fi privileges. That's like BFF's territory right there. One, uh, I use, and I just tell you this, I mean, we could, we could talk about this, this whole thing about God's word. We could talk about that for months at a time. Um, 
I use an app on my uh, iPhone and iPad. You can even just go straight onto the website if you don't have a smart device. Use, just use the computer. Uh, put, put out by a church in the States called Life Church. The, 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 the app is it's called the Bible app. No points for creativity naming that one, Michael. But anyway, just call it what it is, the Bible app. It's free. And I use that. I use that to read my Bible. It's got reading plans. It's got devotional plans. You can, like I'm doing one, a 365-day devotional plan. So you read it. It tells you the little part of the Bible to read. And then it's the one I'm doing is a church leader in Singapore. His kind of commentary on that and reading that. But you don't have to do that. You can set it up to have them email you some of the Bible each day. You know, you read your emails. It's like, well, this will just be one of them. Inbox, you know, God inboxes you. That's pretty cool. But uh, it's like I, I, I'd steer you. Uh, that, that won't work maybe for everybody, but, but I'd certainly will say to you that is on the low shelf. Doesn't cost anything. It can be kind of flipped around certain ways. It has plenty of different translations and versions of the Bible. I found it enormously, enormously useful, both for just for reading the Bible and for accessing these plans and these devotionals. You can set it up to read the Bible in a year, you, all sorts of stuff. It's free. I'm not getting any commission for letting you know that. I'm letting you know that because, guys, it is dead simple to access this stuff. But if we don't, it's no use to us. Hey, uh, last thing I want to do this morning, and uh, we did go a little over time, so uh, I I blame the Rocks guys (laughs) exclusively for that. So... I'm going to buy you a watch, Michael, and myself a gun. Just kidding. I mean, you could have gone all morning and we would have loved it. Um, we sung this song. It's the fourth song we sung. It's the one that took us over time. Um, the song, uh, yeah, it goes a little something like this. No, if I sung it to you, you wouldn't actually recognize it. So, uh, like, we sung that? It's not even, it's not even music. Correct. Um, the song words were, I have decided to follow Jesus. And it's this thing, and we referenced it even in what Paul wrote. It's this decision that we have the opportunity to make. Most of you, I know your stories, most of you have made that decision. I made that decision to follow Jesus when I was 21. Some of you, you know, you've made that decision whenever. But, but some of you haven't yet made that decision. And we want to give you that opportunity right now before we leave today to make that decision. To, to follow Jesus, to make him your Lord. Paul says it's there. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, it's a gift. It's Jesus saying, I came, I died in your place so you can have a relationship with God. If you've never actually made that decision to say, I want to follow you, that you, when you sing that song, it doesn't even com- compute to you, make that a reality, that you can walk from this place knowing that you have decided to follow Jesus. So all I want to do in a moment for those of you that need to make that decision, I just want you to slip your hand up. And you just kind of like, you know, back to school days where you'd say, you know, I'm here. I'm, you know, teacher, I'm here. Slipping your hand up is just like, I'm God, I'm here. I'm here and, I, and, and I'm making the decision to follow you. No turning back. And when I see a hand, you can put it down and then we're going to pray. So I just want to, right now, just before we leave, for those of you that have not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, just slip your hand up right now. When I see a hand, then you can put it down. Then we're going to pray. Just looking around. I don't want to miss anybody. And we don't want you to miss this opportunity. So take the opportunity right now.
make that decision to follow Jesus. Just put your hand up. When I see a hand, you can put it down. Okay. Let's keep in about that this year, church. And uh, let God use us to have other people come to know him. Hey, next week we're continuing the new rules of resolution. Fact number four. It's not a competition. It's a calling. And this will be intensely liberating for some of you strivers. This will be intensely liberating. So be here. Bring someone. 929 for one more week. Then some of you, when we shift to 10 o'clock, you can keep turning up at your regular time of 9.59 and you'll be early. Wonderful. Now this morning we have James. What's the coffee this morning? Yes, good. Uh, black, yes. Joe, cup of Joe. Cuban Serrano, whether James says it is or not, all right? And also we have, uh, as part of our summer of fun, our host team are providing us with aeroplane jelly. So... Come on, sing it with me. I like... No, don't do that. No, okay. Next week, Australia Day party. Come along dressed in a little bit of Australiana. I've already decided what I'm going to wear and uh, have a bit of fun with that. Brilliant. All right. Lots of new people. Make them feel welcome. Lots of Cuban Serrano coffee. Lots of airplane jelly. Great morning. Well done. Love it. Love your work. <laughs>